0: Welcome to Love Stories, produced by the Better Living Institute and sponsored by AppJudo for your software needs, Bulletpad for writing lists on your iPad, and also sponsored by our listeners. That's folks like you. I'm Kira Van Ittersom, and today's love story is The Starfire Retreat, Episode 2. Now, in Episode 1, The Introduction to the Starfire Retreat, the Starfire's young owner, Catherine O'Connor, had been wrestling with the fear and uncertainty that had been clouding her judgment so much that she'd seriously begun to consider the possibility of selling the prized Starfire retreat. Grandpa O'Connor, who had raised Catherine since childhood, had recently died, leaving her the entire estate and the grounds. Catherine's hopes of holding on to the Starfire were boosted by the unexpected arrival of a special friend, Morgan Donahue who had been a fixture at the Starfire since Catherine was a girl. Catherine and Morgan hadn't figured out a master plan, but they both knew that, for them, the Starfire Retreat felt like home, and together they had a chance to make it work. And now we return for Episode 2 of the continuing story of the Starfire Retreat. Before I begin today's episode, I want to take just a moment to thank one of my sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by BulletPad, the fun and intuitive app for writing outlines and organizing your thoughts on your iPad. With BulletPad, you can quickly create a hierarchical list of bullet points, giving structure to your great ideas. BulletPad is an outstanding tool for writers, thinkers, and folks like you begin organizing today. Get Bulletpad for free. Just go to the App Store on your iPad and search for Bulletpad. And now, back to my story. Today's episode is Trail to the Blazing Hilltop. Catherine O'Connor was pacing in her office. She had the phone to her ear, waiting as once again she had been placed on hold. Then she dropped into her office chair and listening intently. No, no, please don't tell me our supplies haven't yet shipped. No, don't hang up again. Listen, I can't wait on this. It's a holiday. I can't call someone else now. It's the 4th of July, screamed Catherine. Then hearing no response, she said, Hello? Hello? Oh, and she slammed the phone down on her desk. Idiots. As she swiveled her seat around to get up again, she noticed Morgan Donahue standing somewhat sheepishly in the door. Sorry, he offered. Sounds like I caught you at a bad time. Oh, that's an understatement. Seems like everything that could go wrong. No, I'm going to stop myself right there. Oh, I'm just at my wit's end because we're reaching a deadline. This weekend is a big one for us. Hey, why don't you take a breath? and fill me in on things so I can lend a hand. I'm going stir-crazy with nothing to do at home. Please, I need for you to put me to work, said Morgan most earnestly. Well, all right, maybe you can help me think up some solutions. Catherine rose from her chair and walked toward the door. Listen, Morgan, I have a few things to do here, but then if you don't mind, could you meet me in the dining hall in about 15 minutes? Sure, I'll be waiting said Morgan, as he was summarily shoved out of the door. Catherine leaned her back into the closed door. She closed her eyes as she took a deep breath and then forced the air back out again through pursed lips. She knew that she could not solve anything by allowing frustration to take over. Shifting gears, she said quietly to herself, I trust in the presence within, and I allow that presence to bring me peace. Then she opened her eyes, smiled, and quickly closed her eyes once more, adding, And thank you for bringing Morgan home. Then she turned, darted out the door, and maneuvered to the kitchen. As Catherine entered the kitchen, she saw the familiar sight of Fiona cooking. Catherine's grandmother, Annie O'Connor, had been Fiona's best friend. So Fiona had always been a part of Catherine's life. She was a quiet, gentle soul. Always serene and loving in manner, she carried a kind of grace and wisdom about her, calmly going about her activities with the precision, calm, and excellence that one can only gain from long years of artful practice. Seeing Catherine, Fiona smiled widely, and Catherine habitually reached out, embracing her friend in a warm hug. Good morning, Catherine said, and Fiona responded. You slept late today. That's a good sign. It's nice to see you so rested. Yes, said Catherine. Are you meeting Morgan this morning, said Fiona as she slammed her flour into the biscuit dough. Well, yes, stammered Catherine, looking away as a broad smile appeared on her face. Don't you think it's wonderful having Morgan back home again? With everything that I've had to do, I don't think I fully realized how much I was really missing him. I think he may have missed you too." Then seeing surprise on Catherine's face, she added, Yes, he's already here. A sheepish grin crept across Catherine's face. There was no point in skirting the issue, since she knew that Fiona could practically read her mind. Catherine looked at Fiona and decided to fess up. Well, I do need to talk to Morgan. Did I tell you that he offered to help out here? Oh, no, you haven't let that slip. Well, go on then, get out of here. I'm going to go take command in the kitchen, and I'll expect to hear some details on all of this later, okay? Of course, and thanks. About that time, six Boy Scouts came bouncing up to Fiona. Miss Fiona, we came to help you, said the tallest one. We've signed up on this sheet here, and if you just list our hours and initial it, it'll help us with our service requirements, if you don't mind. Fiona laughed and turned toward the kitchen. Come on, then, I'll put you all to work. Catherine reached into the fridge and took a couple of bottles of water. Then she quickly moved to the pantry and grabbed two bags of trail mix. She exited into the foyer at the front of the dining hall and headed up the stairs of the big house and down the hallway to her room. Once inside, she grabbed her large waste pouch and placed the cold waters in a thermal compartment, throwing the trail mix packages into a separate pocket. Then she stepped into her bathroom. She pulled her dark auburn hair into a high ponytail to keep the heat off her neck. She washed her face and added a bit of powdered color to her cheeks and dabbed on some moisturizing lip gloss. Then she stared momentarily into the mirror as her thoughts turned to Morgan. Morgan had been Catherine's friend since she was a child, and having him here, offering to step in and help her to take care of the starfire, felt like a miracle especially since Catherine had expected Morgan to be studying abroad for the entire summer. It was even more the miracle because Morgan was so capable and knowledgeable, and he knew as much as she did about life here at the Starfire. Catherine knew that Morgan had always loved both the retreat and her grandfather, perhaps as much as she did. He had been hanging around Grandpa O'Connor since he was a tyke, and he had a natural affinity not only for nature, but also for fixing things. Catherine had grown so accustomed to Morgan's presence here that it was hard to know what she had grieved the most about, the absence of a recently deceased grandfather or the absence of Morgan Donahue himself. But now Morgan had returned, and an important part of Catherine's world was beginning to feel whole again. Catherine looked closely at her face staring back from the mirror. It was fresh, natural, and rested something she had not seen in that mirror for quite some time. Moving quickly now, she re-entered her bedroom and opened her closet, exchanged her form-fitted blouse for a looser-fitting polo shirt, deciding the khaki shorts she was already wearing would work fine. She kicked off her sandals and slipped her feet into a pair of thick socks and then into sturdy hiking shoes. Feeling better equipped now to tackle the great outdoors, she secured the pouch about her waist, exited her room, and headed down the hallway, as she walked calmly down the stairs at the front of the big house, she could see Morgan chatting with a youngster who was holding a large platter of cookies, offering Morgan his choice. Catherine could see that a cooking class was in progress in the big kitchen, and several youngsters were ambling about with other trays, attempting to share their creations with stray visitors. This was a fairly common sight at the big house. The kids were always especially proud and eager to please. Catherine smiled as Morgan's eyes met her, just as he was taking a bite out of a large, warm cookie. I've caught you, she said, and I thought you were here to see me. Yep, now you know what the real attraction was. And stuffing the cookie in his mouth, he said, Seriously, these are delicious. You ought to try one. Yes, I assure you, I get my fill on a regular basis. And you better be careful. Keep stuffing that face of yours and we'll be rolling you out of here. Morgan laughed. No doubt about it. Do you have time to walk with me a bit? A Starfire Retreat walkthrough, is it? I used to do that regularly with your grandpa. He didn't believe in leaving anything to chance. Said he wanted to take every opportunity to make sure the guests were accommodated, and even more important to let them know how much he appreciated having them here. Right now, I'd like nothing more than to accompany you on that mission. Good. I welcome your company. We'll start here and make the customary rounds, just to make sure everything's going well. Catherine headed toward the veranda, and Morgan followed. Before Grandpa died, we were designing a couple of new projects, but they never got underway. I'd like you to see. I think you might like them. All right, Morgan said, holding a door as they exited onto the veranda and walked on down to the hillside path. I'm sorry you caught me in such a bad mood earlier. I've been having troubles with supply deliveries. I don't remember that ever happening when Grandpa was still around. It's almost like people are being disrespectful on purpose, and I don't have time for these shenanigans. We'll have every bed, cot, and campsite packed in tight this weekend. Well, don't worry. I'll go get the supplies myself if I have to, said Morgan. I'm glad you're here, Morgan. Thank you. I'm glad, too. And I have some other interesting news, too. About the paperwork you faxed over to Dad after I left here the other evening. Dad's been doing some poking around, and he said that he got a return call yesterday from a friend of your grandpa's. It seems that Jim O'Connor's been doing some research of his own on this Plankerton oil outfit. It wasn't a small investigation that he was launching, either. Plankerton's managed to ruffle the tail feathers of quite a few important figures in these parts, who just happened to be connected to some other prominent figures as far up as senators and representatives in Washington, D.C. In fact, your grandpa's college roommate is now married to Martha Keaton. Representative Keaton? Wouldn't she be about half his age? I don't remember grandpa ever speaking of that. Your grandpa was a one-woman man. I don't think he ever looked at another woman in all the years since your grandma passed. Your grandpa's friend... Lester Keaton's also a really decent man from all I know. His wife died a few years ago. Cancer. His new wife is Martha Keaton. And she's the real deal, too. According to Dad, she's working hard to make sure public education is funded and kids still get opportunities to go to college. Well, I can believe that that's a kind of representative that Grandpa would have liked. You know, Dad and your Grandpa weren't always on the same page, politically speaking. Yes, I know. They used to have some interesting discussions sometimes. You mean arguments. Dad's a real conservative most of the time. But they both believed in decent, affordable education for everyone. So they both contributed to Keaton's campaigns when they could. Really? I always had the impression that Grandpa had no use at all for politicians. He said it didn't matter much who you voted for these days, and he seemed to think that all of them were on the take. I guess he must have felt differently about Martha Keaton. And she didn't forget that. Apparently, she's been using her office to dig deep into this Plankerton situation. And she's not your only ally, either. Anyway, I just wanted you to know that your grandpa was much more on top of the situation, more than even Dad or Carter knew. So those files you sent over were quite useful. I can't believe that there was so much Grandpa didn't tell me. I just thought they were financial files. I wasn't sure about how to comb through it all. And Grandpa always trusted your dad completely. Listen, Kat, those Plankerton guys aren't going to give up easily. They want what they want, and they'll have a bigger fight than they may be expecting. So we're going to just have to have faith and keep doing what we know how to do best. You just take care of the daily business here at the Starfire. Let the experts deal with Plankerton, okay? I don't think I have a choice on that. When it comes to Plankerton oil, I feel I'd be in way over my head. So I'll be keeping my eyes open, but I'll also be praying a lot. You won't be doing that alone, either. I'm going to take another short break now to thank another of our sponsors. Also sponsoring today's show is AppJudo, your complete web and mobile application development service. AppJudo uses the best technologies and computer science principles to build attractive and intuitive user interfaces your customers will easily understand and love to use. Whether you want to design and build a new app, or refactor and redesign an existing app, App AppJudo can help make your project a success. Visit AppJudo today at www.appjudo.com. And now, we'll return to our story. Okay, so let's change the subject. Is your brother Nate getting excited about becoming an eagle this weekend? You know, Folks say Nate's a lot like me. He just doesn't say much. But I know he's happy about it. It's wonderful he has a brother like you to emulate. I mean it, Morgan. You can do most anything. You can build things, fix things, you're good at sports, and a scholar, too. It's a lot to live up to. Having said this, Catherine stopped abruptly and looked up at him. Yet you're just a regular guy. You always seem to fit in and make others feel comfortable. Important, even. You know, you're a lot like Grandpa Morgan, and now that I think of it, I guess Nate is too. Well, I know one thing for sure. Nate loves being here at the Starfire about as much as I do, so this weekend camp out and the award ceremony with a whole family present, it should be a lot of fun for him. We'll sure do our best to see that it is. Catherine fell silent. The two had walked into a wooded area of the trail. Tall trees towered over them from both sides of the path, and it was breathtakingly beautiful and peaceful. Golden streams of light sprinkled down through the leaves of the tree branches and seemed to dance on their faces. Then Morgan's hand slipped quickly over Catherine's, and he pointed up toward the canopy above them with his other. Look, he whispered. On a branch just a few feet away sat the most amazing sight. An eagle was perched there and it watched intently for a moment and then lifted into flight and circled once over their heads before disappearing over the top of the trees catherine and morgan looked at each other in wonder that was amazing <laughs> yes what are the chances just as we were talking about nate and then they were abruptly interrupted by the sound of catherine's phone ringing catherine saw that the call was coming from fiona Hi, Fiona. I'm out on my walkthrough with Morgan. Catherine, Sam just called from the office to say the sanctuary's on fire. It was empty, thank God. The fire department's on the way, but... I'm so sorry, Catherine. It doesn't look good. Oh, dear God, I'm with Morgan. We'll be right there. Catherine heard herself scream as she started to run. The sanctuary's on fire! And they both ran as fast as they could. When they emerged from the woods near the peak of the hill... They saw black billows of smoke filling the clearing where the chapel was located, and the smell engulfed them. The entire building was ablaze. No! screamed Catherine. No, no, no! She moaned like a wounded animal. Grandpa, no! And then she was on her knees, sobbing. Morgan kneeled down in front of her. Catherine. Oh, Catherine, I'm so sorry. When Catherine looked up, she was no longer crying. She was like a wild woman. All of this had been too much for her. She was enraged. This was no accident, Morgan. I feel it. I'd stake my life on it. Well, they're not going to get away with this. If it's the last thing I do as God is my witness, I'll make them pay. Catherine, you don't know that yet. We'll get to the bottom of this, but it may take time. But Catherine cut him off. I know. I know, Morgan she shouted. You don't understand. Grandpa's in there, and so is the rest of my family. It was part of our plan to move them all here. So after Grandpa died, I arranged it. We had to wait for the spring, but it was done. We added a mortuary near the gardens at the back of the building. It was beautiful. I wanted to show you today, Morgan. And now... Catherine looked at the burning building in despair. Well, if this wasn't an accident, Catherine, I promise you... We will find whoever's responsible, and we'll make them pay. They looked on sadly as the building continued to burn. In the distance, they heard the sound of sirens as the fire trucks were arriving at last. At least the woods won't burn, too, Catherine said vacantly. And Morgan drew her to his chest and held her tight. I'm here, Catherine, and I'll be here for as long as you need me. Then slowly they walked closer to the burning sanctuary where many of the Starfire's guests were already gathering. Sam, who managed the Starfire grounds, was there, keeping a semblance of order, and the scene was surreal as fire trucks rolled down the two-track and firemen scrambled from them, doing their jobs. Catherine turned and looked back down the rolling lawn to the edge of the trees and down to the hillside further, where over the tops of the trees the enormous Star Lake glistened in the distance. Then, a strange sense of surrender and peace washed over her, and she felt the presence of Grandpa himself standing there, right beside her. The sanctuary had been built here, at the very top of the retreat grounds. From these floral gardens, one could look out across the entire lake. Always the loving energy of the chapel rolled down the hillside, draping all of the retreat in peace and harmony. It was where Grandpa had come each morning to worship. Grandpa belonged here. Catherine belonged here. This was her very own place. And now, cradled here in Morgan's strong arms, she knew with an odd certainty that no burning building would ever change that. Grandpa was alive in spirit, and so was the Starfire Retreat. She turned toward Morgan and said, I'm okay, Morgan. I know we'll figure out how this happened. Taking out her cell phone, she added, Right now I'm going to let Sam handle this thing. We're coming up on the busiest weekend of the summer. We've got work to do. Are you still with me? And Morgan smiled. And that's our episode for today. I want to thank you for being with me. You can subscribe to my show by going to iTunes Podcasts and just look for the Better Living Institute Love Stories Podcast. Or you can also find Love Stories on the web at www.betterlivinginstitute.com. There you will find all of our podcast articles, and products. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I hope that you will share it with your friends and family. Thanks again for being with me, and please join me again next week. For the Better Living Institute, this is Kira Van Ittersom. So long for now, everyone.